It's game day. Let's talk Arizona State Sun Devils going up against the Stanford Cardinal in this edition of the Locked On Sun Devils podcast. Our Locked On Sun Devils, your daily podcast on the Arizona State Sun Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. My name is Richie Bradshaw and I will be your guide for everything Arizona State Sun Devils. Thank you guys so much for making us your first listen of the day. Remember, you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. If you want to check us out in a visual platform, of course, wherever you get your podcasts, hit like and subscribe. Turn on notifications so you get notified every time we post new content covering the Arizona State Sun Devils. Make sure you're following me on Twitter to stay in touch with that content. You can find me at RichieBrads36, and you can find the podcast as well at LO underscore Sun Devils. Before we get started, this edition of the Locked on Sun Devils is brought to you by Underdog. Sign up on UnderdogFantasy.com with the promo code LOCKEDON and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Stanford is the game. Stanford is not necessarily a world-beating team, but... Stanford, nonetheless, probably wants to win this game. There's a lot going into this game, more than people realize. So before we get into the nitty-gritty of everything, here's why Stanford wants to win this game. They are one fluky play, one college football lucky play away from being 500 right now. Instead, they're 2-4 and four because Oregon State was able to pull off a miracle touchdown against them. If they go into this game at 500 and they beat Arizona State, suddenly they're a 4-3 and three team and everybody is starting to give a little more respect back to every everyone that's at that program right now. Whether it's the head coach whose name I can't remember to save the life of me, Oh my goodness, what's his name? I'm going to feel so dumb. David Shaw. Whether it's David Shaw, whether it's Tanner McKee at quarterback or any of the other fine players on that team, they're out to prove something. Instead, they're two and they're two and four. Yeah, they're two and four. And if they dropped two and five, you could see some people fired at the end of the season. So there's a lot for them to play for. Now looking back at Arizona State, there's equally as much to play for. Arizona State is also two and four. But they were supposed to be one and five. They weren't supposed to be Washington, but they did beat Washington. Not only did they beat them, but they they thoroughly outplayed them. Sure, it was a 45-38 game, you know, a one possession game. But they outplayed them. Just flat out. Outcoached them, outplayed them, out outscored them, everything. Now they're feeling good about themselves. They went into the bye week with that win. They're looking at the rest of the schedule and they're saying it's time to make some heads roll. This is where we start. This is where we start making a name for ourselves again. This is where we remind people who Arizona State Sun Devils are. And I'm here for it. So this is an interesting game. More than you would think, looking at a two and four Arizona State Sun Devils playing a two and four Stanford Cardinal game is actually going to be a good game. And let's go ahead and just hop into the analysis now. Offensively, these are the things that you need to do if you are Arizona State. You need to run the football, plain and simple. 
Stanford is allowing almost 200 rushing yards a game right now. Xavier Valade is averaging almost 100 rushing by himself. Valade needs to be getting a lion's share of carries in this game. So run the football, you know? Emory Jones is back. He is the starting quarterback. There is no controversy. We talked about it this week. There's no controversy. It's Jaden Daniels or Jaden Daniels. This is it's Emory Jones' job. He can still run the football. I don't know if they want to run him a lot, considering he just had a head injury. But nonetheless, Valade should see 20 carries. I also want to see a lot of touches for Dan Nagata. I've been pounding on the drum for him to get more touches for a while now. This feels like the game where you need to get him a lion's share carry as well. Get him into that double-digit range. Get some other guys involved too. You know, Give the ball to Tevin White again. He hasn't seen the ball since week one. Give the ball to some of the other talented guys you have in that backfield that you're rotating around right now. There's so many players that deserve opportunity in this game. As far as the ground game is concerned, I should say. Utilize it. Just use and abuse it, honestly. I want this to be closer to an NAU game in week one than any other game where we ran it almost 50 times and we only passed it 18 times. That's what I want to see in this game. Is it is it fun to watch? Not always. But if you're serious about winning football games, then you need to realize that this is the strength of your team and this is the weakness of your opponent's team. And you just need to absolutely gash them for it. It's different if this is the strength of your team, but it's the strength of their defense, right? Then you would need to game plan a little bit. Then you would need to be a little more honest. Even if they weren't like dead last against the run, you would try and make a balanced offense for the most part, right? But instead, you need to look at this and realize how great of an opportunity this is to absolutely ground and pound a win. And that's what you need to do. So run the heck out of the football in this game. I also want to see you take some downfield shots. I know. I know. I said, stop doing that. I'm taking a step back for this week. Now that the offense is starting to get on track, I want to see if it was an Emory Jones thing or if it was a scheme thing. Because when Trenton Bourget came in, the deep ball was there. Is it because everything had finally started to click under Coach Iguano? That was his third game, right? Third game, they won, big upset, everything was clicking on offense. Is it just because the offense needed time to click? Or is it because Emery can't hit the deep ball and Trenton Bourget could? So I want to see the deep ball in this game. I want to see two or three shots. I want it to be there, and I want it to connect. If it's not, then I will more than happily abandon it for the remainder of the year. But Brian Thompson showed off that he's got the goods to be that downfield threat that we hoped he could be. Elijah Badger continues to be a bona fide number one receiver. Continue to get him involved as well. Get the running backs involved if you can. Do a little bit of everything. But no matter what, just play safe, sound, efficient football offensively. How do you do that? Run it. 40 times, pass it 15. Super, super basic generic game plan here. Don't overthink it. Don't reinvent the wheel. This is a team that's bad against stopping the run. And this is a team that's good at running the football. 
So Arizona State, it's really, really easy. Just run the football. Quite frankly, I just don't know how I feel about throwing the football on this team. This isn't a great pass defense. It's not a, It's not anything that I want to test, though. Q, uh, Q Blue Kelly is still playing in that secondary. And while I can't tell you, because I haven't watched Stanford football this year, I can't tell you if he has been lights out the way he has been through most of his career or if he's really taken a step back this year. I have no idea. With that being said, though, I'm not trying to test him. Q Blue Kelly has been one of the Pac-12's better cornerbacks since he's been at Stanford. And that's not someone that I'm exactly trying to test and see like, hey, is he still capable of good days? No, not about it. Just run the football. Run the football, take a few deep shots, and just play safe. That's what you need to do offensively in order to pull off a win in this game. All right, that's the offensive side of the ball done. We're going to go ahead and hop over to the defensive side of the ball. When we get back from this first break, let me first tell you about our friends over at Underdog. This episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up college football season. It's easy to play. It's available in over 30 states right now. It's really cool, too. All you do is you pick between two and five players across any team. It doesn't have to just be your team. You take those players, you look at their lines, and you pick more or less, over or under, higher or lower. An example, the ones I got this week in the Syracuse-Clemson game, I'm taking Sean Tucker under 93.5 rushing yards because of that Clemson run defense. I'm taking Orande Gadsden higher than 66 and a half receiving yards in that game, however. But in the Ohio State-Iowa game, believe it or not, I'm taking C.J. Stroud lower than 300 and a half passing yards. Despite the fact that he's the Heisman front runner, the Hawkeyes are only giving up 154 passing yards per game right now. Those are the three I'm taking. And I encourage you guys to go and check, it, check out Underdog for yourselves and see what bets you want to take. Go and download under Underdog from the App Store or Google Play right now, or you can go to underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code Locked On and get your first deposit doubled up to a hundred dollars. So you deposit a hundred, you get a hundred free. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code Locked On. Get in on college football, college football pick 'em action today. Oh man, live reads have not been my friend lately. If you guys have been listening to the podcast this week. So anyways, <laughs> defense, let's look at the defensive side of the ball. Stanford can't run it. Stanford cannot run this football. They, they had a guy at the beginning of the year named EJ Smith. He got injured and it was a darn shame because the dude was looking like one of the best backs in the PAC 12. They replace him with uh Casey Filkins. Philkins has 3.8 yards per carry. He has 114 carries. So it's not for a lack of volume. And he's not doing anything with it. He is a good pass catcher, though. He's caught 16 passes, turned it into 203 yards. He's got five total touchdowns on the year. So the run game, I'm not worried about. The passing game is where I am worried. And that's where quarterback Tanner McKee comes into play. Now, a lot of people remember Tanner McKee for his game against Arizona State last year, where he had walked into the game throwing 11 touchdowns against zero interceptions. He leaves Tempe with three interceptions thrown. His first three career interceptions all came against Tempe. Not only that, 
but he threw a pick six or rather a pitch six to Jack Jones, who pitched the ball back into DeAndre Pierce's arms, and he scored a touchdown in that game. So Arizona State broke Tanner McKee. He looked like this ridiculously talented, and not that he's not, but like he looked like a possible like dark horse Heisman contender before walking out of that game with three interceptions. He did have a touchdown pass, but he ended the year starting 11 touchdowns, zero interceptions with four touchdowns against seven interceptions. Arizona State broke Tanner McKee. McKee's right back to being a pretty rock darn solid quarterback this year. So he's got 10 touchdowns against five interceptions this year. So the, the interceptions are here to stay, but he's still doing a pretty good job managing the game through the air. Uh, he's thrown 1,500 yards in six games. He's a good quarterback. I'm still not convinced he's a first-round pick like a certain pro football focus website is, but he is a good quarterback. And this is someone I don't want Arizona State to take lightly because we owned him last time. But with that being said, take what you did last time and just do it again. Just do the exact same thing. Send some pressure, cre creative, crafty disguise coverage, make some turnovers, and keep an eye on the tight end. Looking at Stanford this year, last year, the guy who killed us was Benjamin Urasek, the tight end. He has not been as productive this year. Urasek has just 18 catches and 172 yards in six games this year. Uh, I don't know if he's been banged up or if he just has not been a factor this year, but he hasn't done anything. That doesn't mean that I'm going to take him lately because he went over 100 yards on you last year. Same thing I just said about McKee, I'll say for Urasek. You had you had him down last year. Don't don't take him lightly this year just because you've been there and done that. Same thing for their um, other wide receiver, uh, Elijah Higgins. Higgins has just 199, or excuse me, uh, 296 receiving yards on the year. He had over 100 against you last year. I don't want to see these guys get the better of you. Their number one receiver this year. Uh, Mason, um, excuse me, Michael, not Mason, Michael Wil Wilson. Uh, I don't think he did like anything against you last year, but he does have over 400 receiving yards on the year so far. He's the number one weapon, but then you got Elijah Higgins and uh, Benjamin Urasek as their main, their main like trio. I would say they've got other guys as well. Uh, like I said, Casey, Casey Filkins has caught a handful of passes. As a running back, Bry uh, Bryson Tremaine is also their number three receiver and is third on the team in receiving yards. Yeah. So I'm going to be keeping my eyes open, though, for Benjamin Eurosec and Elijah Higgins because they're the guys who had success against me last time. So here's my game plan. Dial up some pressure. And I know you haven't been able to get sacks this year, so that's why I'm saying send the house. Get crazy with it. Honestly, let's have some fun. Let's send some super exotic blitzes. Send six, send seven. Just get crazy with it. What do you got to lose? You're two and four. You need this win though. And you should be getting this win by doing whatever it takes. And sometimes whatever it takes is doing the gutsiest, ballsiest things that you could possibly think of that normally would have you shaking your head and frustrated. But in this instance, get you excited. That's what I want to see here. I don't want to see four guy rushes. 
I don't want to see five rushes. I want to see six. I want to see seven. Maybe not eight. Engage eight would be fun to do once, but don't do that often. But yeah, blitz. Blitz a lot. Do the six. Do seven. Do five. Yeah, just send guys. See what we can get accomplished here. Next thing, I want to see you formulate your game plan around your key leaders. So I want to see... I want to see Kyle Soley continue to do what he's doing because he's put in the spotlight. I want to see Corey Bethley continue to be unleashed. He has become an absolute nightmare for opposing offenses. Continue to do that. At this point, I almost would just like tell 10 guys what their play is and then tell Corey Bethley, like, you just do what you think you need to do. If that's blitz, if that's dropping the coverage, if that's, um, monitoring the quarterback, not that McKee's a mobile guy, but my point is like, just let Corey Bethley do Corey Bethley things and good things will happen. And then obviously you can't game script this, but I am telling you get turnovers. I confidently say that because you have had an interception in every single game this year. I don't see a reason that stops because Tanner McKee has thrown an interception in all but two games this year. I have a feeling Tanner McKee who threw three picks against you last year, probably still has a little bit left in his system for you. I'm sure that guys like Roe Torrance, who have been playing very well, are ready to get their own interceptions. I'm sure Corey Bethley is ready for his first interception of the year. I'm sure Kyle Soley would love to get more for himself. Some of the other DBs, I'm sure, are young and hungry and thirsty for their interceptions. So get some turnovers. So that's my game plan. Crafty, almost aggressive blitzing. Create create a defense that will exploit the strengths of your leaders like Corey Bethley and Kyle Sully. And finally get those turnovers. That's everything I got there. One quick final break here. And then I'm telling you who we need to watch. I'm giving you four bold predictions and I'm giving you a final score for this edition of the lockdown Sun Devils podcast. Now do me a favor and subscribe to the locked on pack 12 podcast. I don't know why you guys haven't done it yet. Spencer McLaughlin is number one friend of the podcast. He's so smart. He's so brilliant. He's so handsome. He's everything. Make sure that you are watching and subscribing and listening to the Locked On Pac-12 podcast. Make it your second listen of the day right after Locked On Sun Devils. Stay in touch with everything going on in the Conference of Champions. All right, guys. We're actually doing this right off the top of my head, my bold predictions. And first one, we're going to go balls to the wall here. I'm going to say that Xavier Valade crushes 150 yards and two touchdowns in this game. Yeah, I'm going all in on it. Like, full send. They are allowing 197.5 rushing yards on the, on the ground to opposing teams. And Valade is averaging almost 100 by himself. Considering ASU hasn't really, like, fed anyone besides... Validay, the next closest guy, not counting Emery because he has 45, um, 45 carries and 14 of them were sacks, is Nagato with 30. And 10 of those came in week one. So unless this is going to be another situation where Nagata gets double-digit carries, which I did say, do it. I did say that. I think that Validay is going to see another 20-carry game. And with a run defense as bad as them, I don't think I don't see them stopping him. I think he's going to run right through him. Quite frankly, yeah, I got him 150 yards. I got him two touchdowns. 
I am going to say for my second bold prediction, uh, I'm not going to be too crazy here. I'll go with an Emory Jones prediction. I'll say that in Emory's return, he scores two touchdowns. I'm not going to say how. I'm just going to say in his return back from injury that he scores twice. Maybe one through the air, one on the ground. I don't know. But I think Emory's getting in the end zone twice, and I think that Valadez scoring twice. So that's uh, that's 28 points right there. That's all I'm saying. Defensively, I'm going to say Arizona State gets a sack. I know, not crazy. No, I'm actually going to say they get three sacks. That's crazy. I'm saying three sacks. I'm not even going to try and predict who gets them. But I think that these sacks are going to come because of a heavy blitz percentage. I think that this is going to be a very blitz-heavy game for Arizona State, which results in my next bold prediction, well, final bold prediction, I should say, two more interceptions for the team. Two more interceptions that come because of those sacks. So I think that this defense is just going to tee off. Now, this doesn't mean that the defense is going to like hold them under 30 because Arizona State has yet to do that to a team this year, not named NAU. But I do think that they're going to just be like all or nothing in this game. The guy to watch out for, Tanner McKee. I thought about going Q Blue Kelly. I just don't know if he's been good or if he's been bad this year. I haven't heard his name. And I'm not about to sit here and describe him as Richard Sherman if, in reality, he's been Orlando Scandrick. So instead, we're going to Tanner McKee. McKee has been highlighted by people as a future NFL quarterback. McKee has the has the stuff. He looks like a very qualified, very, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, talented. He's toolsy. He's got a lot of potential to be something special. But I want to see Arizona State do exactly what they did to him last time. I want I want them to treat him like some kind of, like, I, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, just like, like a kickball, I guess. Just kick him around. Have fun with him. Don't let him take advantage of you. Do that the way that I've been describing it. But Tanner McKee's highs are pretty high. When Tanner McKee is on his game, he's a very, very good quarterback. He's very difficult to stop. But when he's bad, he's bad. We saw him against Arizona State last year. Uh, He had a bad game against USC this year where he completed under 60% of his passes and had two picks against one uh, one touchdown. This is a guy who's capable of bad games. He had a bad game last time against Arizona State. Let's let's give him another bad, bad game. Finally, my final score prediction for this game. I think it's actually going to end up being a little bit of a shootout. Arizona State's defense has yet to allow a team to score under, um, man, what, like 38 points, 34 points, 30. No, 30 was the lowest by Eastern Michigan. The only team that has scored fewer than 30 points was NAU in week one, and they scored three. ASU is allowing uh, 28 or 26.8 points per game, but it's helped out by that one game. Funny enough, they are tied with Stanford at 26.8 points allowed per game because Stanford and their four losses have allowed 40 plus points and their one loss against Oregon was a 28-27 game. Their two wins, they held Notre Dame to 14, they held Colgate to 10. So just like Arizona State, they're giving up more points than you would think. So 
I'm going with a little bit of a high scoring game here. And I am going to say that Arizona State does take this one in Palo Alto. I'll take Arizona State 34-27. Yeah, 34-27. There you have it. Arizona State winning that game. Lots of sacks, lots of turnovers, lots of points. It's going to be classic Pac-12 football. So be sure that you check it out. And be sure that you check it out, or not it, but check out the Locked On Sun Devils podcast on Monday when we update you on what happened over the game. Be sure, I'm sure I'll be hanging out all day with you guys. I may or may not be doing a live after the game tomorrow. I'm not sure. It just depends because I do have some plans with some of my buddies to go see the Black Adam movie. I'll let you know how that is. But that is all for this edition of the Locked On Sun Devils podcast. So thank you guys so much, as always, for tuning in. Remember that this podcast is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, if you want to check us out in that visual platform. Wherever you get your podcast, though, like and subscribe and turn on notifications to get an update every time we post new content, which is Monday through Friday. Hit like and subscribe and turn on those notifications wherever you get those podcasts. Follow me on Twitter. You can find me at RichieBrats36. You can find the podcast way there as well at LO underscore Sun Until next time, guys, you keep it locked right here on Locked on Sun